everyone gets a new build, but Xbox needs to do a little bit of soul searching. Happy Friday, friends. It is Friday, which means we're podcasting, which means I'm in a good mood. And hopefully you had a wonderful week because it's a, it's a Friday, at least in the northern hemisphere. It is springtime. The flowers are starting to bloom and uh, the mulch, four yards of it went down. And so, yeah. <laughs> and anyways, on to the tech news of the week because there was quite a bit. There was quite a bit. So looks like I think every, just about every ring of Windows 11 got to build in some flavor or variety. Release preview maybe didn't, but I think Beta, Dev, Canary, they all got one. Even Server got one as well. Not too much notable. There's a new File Explorer details thing uh, coming where you can click the little button in File Explorer and get additional details pan panel that pops out just a little bit easier access for that kind of information. Uh, the Widget Picker, which we saw some of last week, and also Microsoft is adding different styles of content back to the start menu recommendation settings or recommendation area, which is always sort of cringeworthy. But now you'll be able to see frequently visited like websites and other things now popping up in their recommendation settings. Or uh, as always, I tell you to buy Start 11 because that's why we make it uh, over at Stardock. So anyways, you can look forward to some of that stuff coming. Uh, there's also new Windows 11 photo updates. So if you remember, there used to be a spot removal tool in Windows and the Photos app, and then they took it away. And now they're bringing it back. Don't celebrate this because I, that's one of my things. It's like, you can't celebrate a company for giving you something back that you once had and then they took it away. Either way, either way, that is now coming back in a new update. So there you go. And there's also a new slideshow feature uh, coming as well. And so that's coming back. On the more mm, not so great side, this guy, although this is a first gen, my second gen is upstairs because I actually use it a decent amount when I'm sitting on the couch is the Surface Duo, uh, according to Zach Bowden, and I believe this to be accurate. We're not going to be seeing much more of this guy. Uh, right now, You can, I don't even think you can buy a Surface Duo, at least not from Microsoft. You might be able to go find one on a shelf somewhere, maybe, if you're lucky. But it doesn't look like we're getting much uh, in the way of a Duo 3 anytime soon, and I would be actually more cautious to say, well, I don't think we're going to get anything too ambitious from Surface, at least not for the immediate future. I mean, if you go back to their their big event, if you will, and I know that's a nebulous kind of concept here, but where they announced the Duo, the Neo, and the earbuds, like all that stuff just kind of didn't really work out. Now granted, the Surface Laptop 3, the Surface Laptop has worked out, the Surface Pro has worked out. I even think the Surface uh, Laptop Studio, their latest iteration of the Surface Book is actually a wonderful laptop as well. And I think we're gonna see Microsoft play it just a little bit more cool, calm, and collected rather than trying to do these crazy hinge things um, in the near future, at least for at least for the next little bit, as they really kind of hone in on, hey, how do we actually make money with Surface? Because let's be honest, last quarter wasn't super great. Although it's not just Microsoft, right? Apple even reported earnings yesterday and their Mac sales were down roughly the same percentage. And so it's just an industry thing. And I think Microsoft's just playing it a little bit closer to the chest to be a little bit more cautious. And uh, we're just going to continue to see their higher end, better selling products continue to get revved rather than them trying to uh, break into categories, if you will. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see on that. Also, Microsoft is reworking some of the Windows kernel. They're using Rust. Rust is the new flavor inside of Microsoft. I shouldn't say new. They've been playing around with Rust for a while. And we're seeing more and more components inside the world of Windows being rewritten in Rust. Although we're not expecting the entire OS to be rewritten. I think that's a, that's not going to be happening anytime in the near future. 
but they are moving more towards Rust. And on the Bing side, because Bing continues to be, honestly, Microsoft's hottest thing, which is a really weird thing to say, but the, their AI tool and functionality is getting more features. You're getting chat history, plugin support, and the basically search results. I don't know what like chat results, whatever you want to call these things. Uh, they're going to be richer with images and I believe videos are going to be coming soon and Microsoft continues really just to pull and leverage that chat GPT integration to an extreme level. But they, I think they're seeing market share. They're also uh, talking about as well that they are going to be bringing, I believe it's a server. I I'm not quite sure how this is fully going to work yet. I, don't, I can't imagine it's going to be on-prem, but it's more than likely going to be a cloud-based server for ChatGPT to help keep companies like banks and financial industry keep their data siloed from other car partners, make sure it doesn't leak over, and I think that's going to be coming here in the near future. And the other big thing that came out this week, the other big thing that is worth talking about here is that Microsoft, according to Bloomberg, is working with AMD on AI chips, GPUs, and the whole gamut. And this makes a lot of sense. I believe Athena might be the code name for some of this stuff. And Microsoft wants to get into the Silicon game, but I don't think they're going to go at it alone. I don't think they're going to try to do an Apple route. There was uh, like reports coming out that Microsoft's trying to build their own chip to take on Apple. I don't think that's really what they want to do. I think Microsoft wants to take on the industry or be a player in the industry in building Silicon-based AI or, or N, uh, neural, uh, what do they call them, neural devices. I cannot think of the term. <laughs> It's in the Qualcomm, uh, it's in the Qualcomm thing. It's the AI chip uh, on the hardware. So I don't, I don't know why. I'm, you know what, I'm going to Google it because this thing has completely uh, NGU or whatever. Neural processing, NPU. That is what the neural processing unit. I don't know why I could not think of this term. At least that's what the quick Google shows me. Either way, Microsoft wants to be in this space. They want to not own it necessarily, but they're working with AMD, which has always been a strategic partner for them, right? You got to remember, it goes back to the days of the Xbox and by the days, I mean like the early days of the Xbox. And so Microsoft wants to play in this space and they are throwing a lot of money. They're actually helping fund some of this development research, I believe on the AMD side so that they can sort of, I don't want to say take on the industry, but make sure that they have a, a, a leading component in the industry because Microsoft is very clearly seeing how much opportunity there is in the AI space and they need the hardware, right? The software side is one thing, which they're already quasi outsourced to OpenAI, but they need the on, you know, the on metal piece as well to make it localized because that seems to be the next great leap and right now nvidia is ruling the roost and great for nvidia and good for them but microsoft wants more competition in that space and so they're going to help fund some of it which is going to be significant but it's not going to materialize in anything like in the immediate future this is much more of a longer horizon play so on to the gaming news of the week because there's a lot on the gaming side as well, about 70 billion on the gaming side. So uh, first off, if you have an alpha skip ahead box, uh, be careful, be careful because this is what my box looked like after installing the latest update. It actually, it looks like it uh, broke the OS, like it corrupted the OS or something like that. I haven't tried the fix. One of the fixes is, is potentially just do a hard reboot. Like you just leave it unplugged for 30 minutes or something like that. And that might fix it. Uh, but if you have an Xbox on the alpha skip ahead, or I think even alpha might be impacted, you might want to go check your box to make sure it's still healthy because you might be doing some work if you need to play with anything. Now, somebody's going to say, well, Brad, that's what you get for being on the latest and greatest. Yeah, it's perfectly fine. This is on my, my Series S box, uh, which I use explicitly for this type of testing. It's not my main box. I have a Series X for that, which is not on it. So I'm, it's like, I don't want, I'm not looking for pity or anything. It's just, just be aware that this is happening. Now, 
On to the more important thing. So Redfall come out, and a lot of people are joking and memeing it. Red fail because obviously the it didn't go as expected. Microsoft really just kind of launched a dud, and now they're going to try to scramble and fix it, and it'll probably be roughly a year, I would bet, if it, you know, judging how other games in this similar situation like Cyberpunk or No Man's Sky, it's like we're looking at like at least a year before this potentially might become a decent game. And so this really just kind of highlights a string of failures that have come out of the Xbox side. Look, like Halo Infinite was really bad and then we have uh, Redfall was really bad and now we have Starfield coming later this year and pretty much the pressure point has reached uh, nuclear fusion at this point because if Starfield comes out and it's a dud, there's going to be a significant amount of uh, outside pressure to really think about Xbox as needing to be shaken up or something like that because they've spent so much money on studios, not to mention they're trying to spend $70 billion on more studios, and it's clear that they can't get into a cadence that works really well. Now, to be fair, to be fair, you have to call out the highlights as well. Flight Sim was really good. Hi-Fi Rush, really good. Age of Empires 2, also really good. So they have the ability to ship quality games but some of their big titles, like the big splash titles, the, the triple quad A, whatever you want to call them, has been really, really tough for Microsoft. Phil Spencer went on a, a small media little round on a podcast tour where he acknowledged, he's like, hey, this did not meet our expectations. It, it came in lower on the review scores. But I really do wonder because everyone's like, well, how would they ship something like this? I guarantee the developers knew exactly what they were shipping. Uh, the playtesters knew what they were shipping. And so the question becomes is like, why did they ship? Well, there was pressure, obviously, to get the title out because they need content for games. Game Pass, that's how Game Pass thrives. They put a title out, people subscribe, and that's the way the model works. But as of right now, if you put out a bad game, that's pro I don't know if that's better or worse than just shipping nothing at all. So we will see Phil Spencer acknowledge that it wasn't good, that they're reviewing things and that they uh, supposedly arcane or they're still really operating in sort of like an independent functionality. And that's been one of the things that Microsoft has been trying to do. It's not suck them into the Xbox org. But maybe they should. Maybe they should be doing that because clearly they launched, we all know how it launched. And so the question becomes now at this point, Microsoft wants to spend $70 billion to buy a whole bunch of more studios, but they haven't shown yet that they can really consistently manage the current studios that they have, right? If they were hitting, uh, it, it, Redfall didn't have to be a 10 out of 10 game, but if it needed to be like an 80 or above a Metacritic to say like, yeah, that was a decent launch. It's a good game and it's justifiable to keep adding more studios because Microsoft has proven that they can manage a fleet like this. As of right now, I would say the answer is probably not really known whether or not Microsoft can successfully manage additional studios coming into the portfolio until they prove that it can be done. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say Microsoft shouldn't buy Activision. I think adding Call of Duty to Game Pass will grow the subscriber base significantly. But at the same time, if they get Call of Duty and they get uh, Activision and then they put out a whole bunch of Redfalls, then it's not going to be, it's going to be a waste of money and uh, Microsoft's going to find itself in an even tougher position at this point. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the world of Xbox here in the next couple months as it comes to relates to shipping. Right now, we already know that Forza, which was supposed to come out in the spring, I believe is right, confirmed delayed at this point. We already know Starfield's coming in the second half. So uh, these, these launches can't go like this. They, they, they can't. Microsoft does itself no service. Um, I, a bad launch is worse than a delayed launch. But I get it. There's pressure. Management's like, look, you bought these companies. You said you'd be able to ship this stuff on X dates, and you're consistently missing it every single time. And uh, here we are. So 
Anyways, also, there is a new dashboard coming to the Xbox. It looks like this if you're on the video side of this podcast. So it looks like this. And uh, yeah, much more modern. Well, I shouldn't say much more modern. Much more uh, background friendly, if you will. There's a new bar at the top. uh, Minimalistic icons that allow you to quick nav. And then there's also your actual recently played games and smaller icons that do get larger when you hover over them. So... That, my friends, is the news highlights of the week. Let's jive. Let's jive. We can't jive into the question. Let's dive into the questions of the week. Always my favorite pot. So uh, let's go here. Stagger Steve says, Brad, a shower thought I had. In a scenario where the ABK deal falls through, would the board ask for Phil Spencer to resign? Interesting. The reason for thinking about it is Microsoft had to pay out $3 billion plus, roughly speaking, and the amount in legal resources for over a year and a half uh, with nothing to show for it, and when did they want to get rid of the person people that started the whole idea of obtaining ABK in the first place? It's an interesting thought, right? So if Microsoft cannot close the ABK deal, uh, they had to they have to pay $3 billion. That's just kind of the way it is. That's, uh, that's the contract. It's the way it's written. That's the exit clause to get out of this deal. Uh, it's not unusual in the industry to have these sort of things. I don't think that would be the end of Phil Spencer, mostly because, yes, Phil Spencer brought this to the table. He valid, he backed it, but it wasn't just him pushing this through, right? Legal had to go through it. They had to justify that they'd actually be able to close it. They had to go to the board. And so it wasn't Phil Spencer sitting in, in, uh, in isolation, walked into a meeting and said, guys, I spent $70 billion yesterday, or I'm going to spend it tomorrow or whatever, and uh, you know, I'll let you know when it's done. That's not how it works. I don't think that would be the reason that Phil Spencer would be pushed out the door, personally speaking. Um, it, it's an interesting thought, but $3 billion to Microsoft, who makes $17, $18 billion in a quarter. Granted, they don't want to just give away that money. They really don't, but it's not going to bankrupt Microsoft by any means. The Joe Finn says, do you have any read on if Microsoft is happy with their new app strategy going? WinApp SDK, WinUI 3, and Maui. Well, not explicitly, but there's some like around the neighborhood sort of things. If you think about it, right? Kevin Gallo, who is leading this initiative, has retired or left Microsoft. So that's not, not, not exactly a sign of overwhelming confidence. I think Microsoft is just getting it to a place where... Honestly, it feels kind of like what it used to be, but in a more modern-ish sense. And so I think we'll see some WinUI 3 continue to evolve. But I I, I don't know how um, happy would be defined here, right? They're back to a place where developers can use it. But let's be honest, like new developers um, have so many options these days when it comes to just developing an app on various different ways, web apps, desktop, whatever you want to do it. Um, I think Microsoft has a good platform. I wouldn't say it's an exceptional platform. Uh, Ollie says, hey, Brad, longtime listener, first time caller, so to speak. The Bing search bar has landed. Oh, yeah, that's right. The Bing search bar has landed on my Windows 10 desktop. This happened on mine as well. Internally, uh, is it just a widget from a technical standpoint? Is there anything stopping Microsoft from bringing Windows 11 widgets to Windows 10? Uh, So it is not a widget per se that you might be thinking from Windows 11. I believe it's actually from Edge. And so it's an edge component. It's not a Windows component. So that's a primary difference there. My Windows 10 box, which is what I'm recording on here, and it's supposed to be my stable box. And I woke up and there was a Bing search bar in the middle of it, despite being uh, not not Windows 11. And so uh, I don't think it's a, there's probably nothing like, like literal technical stopping, right, from Windows 11 widgets coming. They would have to do some porting of some a bunch of stuff to make it function. And I don't think Microsoft is really interested in doing that. Namely, like the taskbar is a bit different. And so... Uh, anything can be done, right? If it's done in Windows 11, technically it can be done in Windows 10. You'd still call it Windows 10, but it's really like Windows 11, if that makes sense. Francisco C says, Brad, hope you're having a great week. Hope you are too. My question relates to Microsoft 
closing in to get people to upgrade to Windows 11, specifically gamers. Do you see any other tactics or strategies other than faster loading times? No, not really, actually. The funny thing is, is Microsoft announced that Windows 10 22H2 will be the last update from Windows 10. Actually, if you want a stable OS right now, Windows 10 is the place to be because Microsoft just announced they're not gonna be screwing with it. Now, that being said, Microsoft also announced that we'd be getting one update per year on Windows 11, and we all know that's not true. They're shipping updates whenever they want. Technically, we're not getting a new version build update uh, more than once a year, but that's not the point. Like, they, that's, that's not the point. As for this specific question, I don't think there's any, there are some, uh, oh gosh, what is the direct storage? But I thought direct storage might even be coming to Windows 10 as well. I cannot be, I could be wrong on that. Uh, there's not, candidly, a significant number of reasons to upgrade to 11. If Windows 10 gaming works for you and you're happy with your frame rates and you're happy with your system and you don't want to deal with the shenanigans of all the Windows 11 updates and the recommendation, recommended recommended settings in your in your start menu and everything else, then don't. Windows 10 22H2 will be supported officially by Microsoft for about another two years. So you've got two years to run that OS, update and upgrade free, uh, although you will have to deal with the pestering from Microsoft trying to get you to sneakily upgrade to Windows 11. Uh, Mad Thinus coming in says, watching Digital Foundry videos, always a great place to be hanging out. Uh, you can see a trend of several games that performs better on PlayStation 5 than the Series X. Also, Series S, I always end up with a lesser experience. For all the hype of the most wonderful, hardware, powerful hardware in a console, the Series X hasn't really delivered. Is this an overhead issue in the software stack, or is it developer prioritizing PlayStation 5, or is it Xbox tools that are just not as good? So this is, this is a very fair question. Microsoft positions that the Xbox Series X is the most powerful console, and typically you can always find edge cases where Xbox is better or where PlayStation is better. But PlayStation 5 has fared exceptionally well, which brings up the, the, the valid question of, is the PlayStation better, just better optimized than the Series X? I think it's fair to say that it might be. There might be some uh, software edge there and that Microsoft's, what they're doing on the console, just maybe there is more overhead and isn't working as well. That being said, I'd still make the argument that Microsoft has a better sort of ecosystem with the Xbox Live platform than the PlayStation. Maybe that's weighing it down a little bit. But yes, there are not significant differences in terms of performance between the PlayStation 5 and the Series X like Microsoft really did tout uh, early on. Now, the Series S is a different conversation because it's intentionally less powerful than the Series X. And of course, you're going to get, uh, you know, more of 1080p style gaming than that, that box than say 4K. But at the end of the day, we don't have a, a straight answer, but it may be very could be that developers are building a PlayStation 5 first or targeting that. Uh, the, the more interesting things we need to be looking at, which will be harder to do, are actually Microsoft's own first-party games, like Redfall, which kills me to say is only a 30, 30 FPS title currently on the Series X. And so that clearly tells you that it's a software problem, not so much a hardware problem. And uh, maybe Microsoft doesn't make it as easy to optimize. We don't really know exactly. Unless a developer who's built games for both is willing to speak up. And Mr. PKI wrapping it up for the week. He says, ending question of the week. Are you noticing that all the Office apps and Outlook are now opening, oh yes, all links by default with Edge? It is getting really annoying that my Pixel Android phone is launching Edge anytime I want to click a link in Outlook. Do I need to uninstall Edge to make us up? So Microsoft here, Microsoft is not fearing uh, the regulatory bodies like they used to. That is a conclusion that I have kind of come to with some others here in the past couple days that Microsoft just no longer cares. First off, uh, Microsoft... 
doesn't really care about your default preferences anymore. Uh, Windows as well, it's not just Android and other devices. And so here we go, Microsoft is making their own browser the priority and I think they can maybe get away from it as slimy as it makes me feel to say that because they don't have a dominant browser. They're not Chrome, they're not trying to force people into a dominant position. They're just trying to claw market share back from Google and they're doing that by overriding your effectively OS default settings with their own stuff because hey, who's gonna come stop them? And I think that's sort of the mentality they're taking, like growth at all causes. I also think they find or, or feel that they have Google back on their heels a little bit, right? With the search stuff and the open AI stuff. So they're really trying to go like a multi-pronged attack at Google. Like let's take their browser market share. Let's take their search market share. And so Microsoft is really, really starting to feel like the early 2000s Microsoft that I grew up with, which is just overly aggressive, uh, throw caution to the wind and let's just take as much market share as fast and as hard as we can. And if the user gets sacrificed along the way, that's just okay, and we'll deal with that as it comes. And so as the regulatory spotlight focuses on things like privacy, advertising, search market share, and app stores, Microsoft's sitting over here going like, we're not really dealing with any of that. So let's, let's take what we can while the others are in retreat. So it's annoying. I do not like it. Don't get me wrong. Microsoft, shame on you for trying to change my workflow to fit, to fit your metrics because uh, don't quite like it. Do not like it all. Do not like it, Sam. I am. My name is not Sam, by the way. Uh, <laughs> anyways, get that all the time. I'm also not Brad Smith. So there you go, my friends. Love the questions of the week, as always. Hopefully you had a wonderful week. There's interesting times in the neighborhood. So as always, my friends, make sure to keep it subscribed here because then the BS on this podcast is me.